0: On the You're listening to the Bear Down Chicago Podcast with Logan Bradley, Ryan Dangle, Patrick Sheldon, Brendan Shagrew, and Jack Wright. Bear Down Chicago podcast. Yeah, we're that Bears podcast. All right, folks,
1: welcome into another edition of the Bear Down Chicago podcast. I am your host, Ryan Dangle. You can find me on Twitter at Ryan Dangle. That's D-E-N-G-E-L. Brendan Shagrew, the assistant editor of Bears Wire. You can find him on Twitter at Brendan Shagru. That's S-U-G-R-U-E. Jack Wright, you can find him on Twitter at bear down jack unfortunately patrick sheldon got a little bit of a family issue sounds like everyone's okay but kid was kind of sick and so shells sorry buddy uh hopefully everything turns out and logan should be joining us the next couple weeks but again his job has him pretty busy so it is the three of us but boys this is big we've got not one but two phenomenal guests tonight how excited are you guys about this
2: i'm really excited it it feels like a really good time to have some Bears insiders on the podcast again, some reoccurring guests, because this is like a mini bye week, and I think it's good for all of us to kind of take a step back. We're six games in, and we can kind of, you know, have a much better evaluation of this team and not talk about a game that, frankly, I consider one of the worst losses in recent memory, because that sucked. It was pretty massive suckage, and I agree with you. Rather than rehashing some of the old
3: redundant takes, it would be nice to get A couple of guys, like you said, who are in the inside who could give us some fresh perspective because I don't think anybody wants to relive every moment of that last game.
1: I was cold. That's what I, because Brendan and I were both there. We were very,
3: very cold. Sheridan's Barbershop, located in historic downtown Wheaton, Illinois, has been serving the community for 68 years with seven barbers and open six days a week, Monday through Saturday. They have appointments available to book online or by phone at your convenience. You can go to sheridansbarbershop.com or you can call 630-668-0137 and book yours today. Sheridan's Barbershop, where traditional meets modern.
1: All right, so I know this is the thing that we're thinking about. Somehow, some way, the Giants are now five and one. It's incredible. And all of us wanted Brian Dable, but I think... I, I'm going to say this because I, I think we're all united in this. It's way too early to 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 crown one of them, to say anything like that, to say that we hired the wrong guy. But at this point, at right now, it looks like the Bears hired the wrong guy, that Brian Dable is the right guy, you know uh, – it's way too early to tell. I'm just going to say that one more time. It's way too early to tell. Uh, Jack, you posted something about trying to be patient, though it's difficult to be patient when you see this immediate success out of the Giants. How are you kind of feeling about that?
3: Yeah, I tweeted that I have Dable envy, and I do. I think we wanted to have somebody that was dynamic and offensive-minded way back when the head coaching search was going on. And while I do agree that it's too early to tell, and I am still fully willing to to give this regime the time it needs to revamp and hopefully they are still are revamping it in a good way in this very moment as we look at a five and one Giants with a roster that I think is equally as bad uh as the Bears it's tough uh five and one And, and what's really tough too is our record could be better we could perhaps be maybe not
2: five and one but four and two At the very least, we should be three and three. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about it in a little bit, but I'm very, very much of the belief that the Washington Commanders game should have been a win, should have been an easy win. But it it is interesting with the Giants because I too, I did want Brian Dable and I'm not like totally saying like it's, it's fool's gold or anything because I tweeted out like, hey, don't count your chickens before they hatch because 2018 Matt Nagy was the coach of the year and we were singing his praises. The Giants are really good right now. They're not really getting it done with some great offense. They're scheming to the best of their ability. And essentially, you know, their matchups that they're able to create with these teams are are really good. And their defense, especially their defensive front, is playing really well with Wink Martindale. If anything, it reminds me of what the Bears did in 2018. Not that it's going to be exactly that, but smart defensive coordinator and rookie head coach. It's, It's interesting to see. So as we're talking about the Giants and Brian Dable, because there was no Bears game today, we still need to talk about Bears. And our first guest is a reoccurring guest, thankfully. He's back. He is Mark Rohde from 670 The Score. You can hear him on The Score. You can also hear him on WBBM doing the sideline reporting. And Mark, we were just talking about it a little bit earlier, but this is your first Sunday off in like a month or so without bears football. It sounds like you were enjoying all the NFL games. So what was your highlight of just being off of bears football this weekend?
0: Man, I hate when the bears are not playing on Sunday. I really do. Like uh, my whole life. uh, I like, I enjoy the, you know, when, when a Thursday night game is has arrived and it's the Island game, it's pretty awesome. I Man, I love that. I love Monday night football. All the primetime stuff is not like I have anything against that. Um, it's just that it, it's the preferable the other way. That's it.
2: Yeah. So before we get into the real nitty gritty with football stuff, I do have to know. So Ryan and I were both at the game. You were up close on the sidelines. After seeing them in person, what are your opinions of the orange <laughs> helmets and orange jersey combo? <laughs>
0: Yeah, they don't do it for me. (laughs) Yes,
2: yes. I have,
0: I honestly, I've (laughs) never been a fan of the orange jerseys in general. I mean, I've been trying to fight that fight for a while, and I've lost. But then when the orange helmets came, I'm like, come on, the helmets too? Um, Because while, yes, the Bears' colors are blue and orange, I just think there's something better about the Navy. I'll I'll say this, though, too. I like the, the monochromatic Blues that they they once put on yes. they did that a few times and then the whites too, which they haven't done in forever. But I dig those. I just I'm just not down with the orange, just not down with it.
2: I, I will say I I was for it or not necessarily against it, and then seeing it in person, I'm like, I, I could leave these, it, it's whatever, but Anyway, talking about the whole season, we figured this was a great opportunity to talk with you because this is kind of a mini bye week and it's a chance for us to, you know, look back at what's happened so far. So in your opinion, we want to know what's been maybe your biggest positive surprise of the season so far? And then on top of that, your biggest disappointment that maybe you didn't see coming.
0: I think the, the, the thing that has probably surprised me the most on this team is the, the fact that there hasn't been the development necessarily that we would like to have seen through the first five games of this season, that or six games of the season, that it felt like Justin Fields coming into this year had everything in place to take a step forward and sort of leave behind that really weird year last year that he endured, but it just really hasn't gone down like that this year. That we have seen, you know, one step forward, two steps back, another step back, maybe a half a step forward. And it it surprises me that there hasn't been more consistency that with the infrastructure that, you know, I, I guess I've bought into um has not brought him to it not being further along at this point that doesn't mean things can't turn around and all of a sudden be you know uh be great for the rest of this year but it's it's hard to foresee that um at this point as far as what has stood out this year that has been good that maybe I didn't necessarily think would be or that they would stick with um, it has been the run game, and the fact that you've got two guys, and Khalil Herbert and David Montgomery, both who have had explosive plays and have been key to so much this year, just to sustain the offense at whatever level it might be. So I didn't, I didn't necessarily doubt those two running backs, but I think we've seen enough of Bears football just in the last you know, five years or so, you know, maybe just the Matt Nagy era that the running game wasn't working really much better than the passing game. So that's been a nice thing to see.
3: Mark at this moment in time, how would you assess the bears commitment level to Justin Fields?
0: Mm, it, there's still no real signs from Ryan Poles in turn, nor, Matt Eberflus, nor the offensive coordinator, Luke Getze, in terms of where they stand. They keep a very – and I think that it is a premeditated thing that they're doing here, just this even keel where they don't want to really give up too much on Justin Fields or anybody. That That does tell me, though, the fact that they really haven't slipped up in any kind of hyperbole that – I don't know if they don't like him, but they certainly – are taking this game by game in terms of the evaluation process and putting a report together every single down and things have not been great this year. So you could probably guess that the scouting report is probably not great from the, the you know, the, from Ryan Poles at this point and his assistant Ian Cunningham. Uh, They, of course, have to take offensive line into consideration and wide receivers and all of the other issues. But, you know, Justin Fields has had his issues by himself
2: this year, too. So, Mark, real quickly, you you kind of alluded to it already, but knowing where this team was in the offseason, everybody had said that, this probably wasn't going to be a very good team. It's a rebuild, but after six games now are, has your opinion of like your outlook changed? And if so, how? Has not changed. It's a rebuilding year. It's,
0: mm-hmm. it's the way it's carried out so far this year. You know, they, they were lucky to get that win against San Francisco at home. I think that, you know, the conditions were crazy and, Ridiculous. I I won't call them lucky in beating Houston because you're supposed to beat Houston at home. I mean, they had to go to a Roquan Smith interception and a Cairo Santos game winner to get there. Uh, But they they were able to to get there in those uh, situations.
3: Mark, why do you think that the Bears have shown such a relentless commitment to Mustafa? What's going What's going on exactly there? Do you think?
0: (laughs) Um I think that they're I don't think that they want to necessarily be in the predicament that they're in that Sam Mustafer has to be, you know, continuing to start at center. I think that they had envisioned that by now Lucas Patrick would be playing the part of center. And obviously you would hope you would have Cody Whitehair and then Tevin Jenkins and Mustafer eventually would take a seat in that scenario. And I still think that that's coming unless they, they pull a fast one and think that Mustafer could slide over to the guard spot. So, uh, I, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that goes down. I don't know if by the Monday night game in New England that change in the lineup can be made, but it uh, it's going to come eventually. You will see Lucas Patrick playing center eventually.
1: So, Mark, with that being said, do you see next year that, any of these offensive linemen are, are starting next season or any of these guys, the ones that you want to bring back and put in
0: that starting lineup? Man, that's such a great question. I think I, I would think that Lucas Patrick would have to be back next year just because they invested in him and they seemed to like him as a building block guy. Like they, you know, that was, that was their guy that they circled and wanted to get, <laughs> You know, the Braxton Jones thing is interesting because, you know, that's Ryan Poles' guy. That's his fifth-round guy who, if Braxton Jones can have some moniker of success this year as a starter, that's a a huge thumbs up for for him. Um, So there's two guys right there that I would imagine could find their way back. Cody Whitehair, I mean – (laughs) <laughs> why would you not want Cody white hair around? I mean, I think that that's a stabilizing uh, force on the interior of any offensive line still assuming that he gets healthy. I think, you know, Larry, I would think that Larry Borum could be a guy who, you know, I, some evaluators love him. Some don't, but I would think that he's probably kind of dangling, you know, as far as whether he would return, but it's hard to like, just make a case for a lot of these guys because, they're allowing the, some of these guys to develop too. That that's part of their plan. Um, I, I should, you know, backtrack and say that you know Tevin Jenkins, considering the weird relationship that they've had, I mean, it's possible that Tevin Jenkins could be on the way out after this year. But who knows?
2: Which is so odd because I would say. I'm not an offensive line expert, but he seems to be the most consistent and best offensive lineman on the team right now. He, No matter what position he's in, whether he's coming off the field or rotating in whenever he's in, it feels like things are moving a bit better. But the, the other question I had, it's somebody that hasn't been talked about yet, is where do you think Alex Leatherwood fits into all this because he's been he's been sick he hasn't been around but because of the struggles of the offensive line do you think he's starting might see some time sooner rather than later
0: i'll believe it when i see it but i think that you know they're going to get him ready they're going to you know implement him in practice like you said and you know soon will be available you know the thing that Matt Eberflus left us with was that they are going to evaluate everything, three good things, three bad things about the players. But the thing that piqued my interest was when he said he offered, I don't even think that anybody was specifically asking about it, but he did offer, you know, we've got to look at the lineup. We've got to look at that and see what we we want to do with these guys. You know, are we happy with the offensive line? Are we okay with allowing Braxton Jones to continue to develop. Are we, are we good with that still same thing with Boreham on the other side? Are we, are we down with that? Or do we, do we like Tevin Jenkins enough to continue to, you know, develop him on the inside? Or do we want to start doing some things with, you know, you know, get Jatari Carter involved in all of this, because that's another one of, of polls guys. So, I think, you know, based on that and based on what all of us here have seen, I think it's plausible.
3: So, Mark, you said you watched a lot of football today. What is your unadulterated opinion of what happens at Lambeau Field today? <laughs> Gloves off. You know
0: what? This is this is going to be a little bit uh, – this will probably be a little bit disappointing. Um, but I was sitting there watching that, and of course, I was enjoying the fact that the Jets were gonna bounce screen Bay right out of Lambeau Field. I mean, it was there. But the, but the issue that I was having was this, typically, that joy comes with, well, this is good for the Bears. And of course, it's good for everybody in the division. But it doesn't really affect the bears, unfortunately, because as much as you think, oh yeah, we got a chance. No, there's probably not a chance for the North this year, the bears. So, but it was still it was still nice to see. And I did come to the conclusion that this is gonna be and this is gonna be one of those like weird off Green Bay years. And then next year they'll be back to being the, you know, 13 win Green Bay.
2: Oh, that's exactly how I felt. I'm like watching all this and Bears Twitter is reveling in all of this with Rodgers going down and the Packers losing back to back weeks. And I'm just sitting there like, boy, I'd really feel a lot better about this. If the bears just didn't, you know, poop down their legs on Thursday, Because <laughs> you know, <laughs> dealing with that loss, it just, it hurts a little bit, but you know, I, I get it. It, it is kind of nice to see it happen though. Plus a lot oh, and, had, it, I think
3: a lot of said the jets as a win this year, and that's probably not going to happen for the yeah. bears.
0: Yeah, well, I I was, you know, I haven't watched a lot of New York Jets football this year, but, you know, they look like they might be one of those teams that could kind of slide through in the NFL this year. Who knows?
1: So, Grody, I want to ask you a question. This has been a point of contention on this podcast amongst all of us, and I think a- amongst a lot of Bears fans, the... Kyler Gordon, Jaquan Brisker, as opposed to getting a dynamic receiver, uh, you know, what we see um, mm-hmm. out of, you know, Pittsburgh. We see actually even Alec Pierce in Indianapolis is, has had a good couple of games. Where do you kind of stand on that? I know it's it's too early to tell, but which way do you kind of lean on that?
0: I mean, I, my my first impression is, and it's a, it's a great, you know, point and analogy to bring up the, the two guys, you know, Kyler Gordon, and Jaquan Brisker, the drafted of players. When they made those picks, I liked them. I liked that because I thought, and I don't think I'm wrong, I mean, although both players have definitely struggled at times, that you would have two potential cornerstone pieces of a defense going forward if everything goes as I think it is based on the scouting of all those guys. Now, we can. that's a different avenue, obviously, Kyler Gordon has had some big time struggles this year. Jaquan Brisker has had some struggles this year as well. Uh, both have played well, you know, lately. Uh, but you know, that's, that's a different Avenue as it, as it pertains to what you're talking about, as far as receivers, I was thinking about this today too. I do wonder, and I don't think we'll ever get the answer. Does Ryan Poles, th- does he now regret not doing more with the wide receiver position because he was steadfast in that. He was steadfast in doing what the going with the plan. You know, the biggest, boldest thing that they probably did was the Nikhil Harry signing. You know what I mean? Like, get bringing him in was probably like, okay, we're going to take a shot here with this guy, but we'll throw a little equanimity of St. Brown around. We'll give you a Byron Pringle, dash of Byron Pringle, and you know, all of these guys that have come in. But at times, I, I think that it had you can just see it hurting the development of the entire offense when there's not a lot of consistently good wide receivers on the team so it's I, I think it's hurt them and I do wonder if Polls th- agrees or if this is just what you know you got to grin and bear it kind of thing you know
2: hey Mark so real quickly we d- we haven't talked much about the commanders game and I don't think we want to because it was so bad but <laughs> Yeah. One thing really piqued my interest after the game and you were there for the media availability with Justin Fields. who was really irritated about basically saying, I keep hearing that we're almost there. We're almost there. And I'm tired of hearing that. And I think a lot of people had some strong opinions about what that meant. So I'm curious, you hearing that in real time, like what were your thoughts? Where Where do you think that was coming from? Was it just general frustration? Do you think he was kind of maybe getting after the coaches a little bit? What do you think?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's Justin Fields wanting to take the gloves off and that they uh, understand deep down that this is a developing team. Justin Fields knows that he's in his second year. But I guess when I put myself into their shoes and your NFL team make a big time money on a huge stage in Chicago and you lose games, and all you're hearing from, apparently, you know, from the inside, is you're getting closer come on guys you can you can do this after a while a message like that might get a little weak in the players heads that they don't want to hear about we got you know we don't have you know the patience you want a little bit of urgency from you know the coaching staff and i don't think this all of a sudden means that this is like an indictment on the coaching staff or somehow they have done the bears wrong the message has been consistent and strong but hey Here's, here's the bi- two of the biggest voices of the team. say so Justin Fields said it, and then I don't know if you guys heard Jalen Johnson say almost the same thing on the score on the afternoon show, essentially the same thing, that they're tired of being close. So it's like if there are any kind of kid gloves going on, it sounds like at least those two guys, and I would imagine more, are ready to, to take it to a different level or another level.
1: Mark, is David Montgomery running for the Chicago bears in the next couple of seasons. Is he back next year?
0: Man. Uh, I don't know because, and that's a cop-out answer, but I don't know how Ryan polls, how he thinks about the running back position. I just don't. I mean, I, I would imagine that they love David Montgomery just because most coaches and GMs do just because he's a good locker room guy and all that kind of stuff. And you see how hard the dude tries but I just don't know what his evaluation of that position is at this point. And, and, you know, the obvious does he, and I'm sure he's right in line with most GMs that don't financially value the position. But if you can get a decent reasonable two year extension done with an option one way or the other for a third, I think that that would be tenable unless you know, Ryan Poles has a different idea about the the running back. Maybe he wants that you know four three speed or bust guy. I don't know. So that that's going to be fascinating to to see in in the in the years or actually after the season, obviously.
3: Mark, do you think that Roquan Smith has been unfairly scrutinized because of the holden, or do you think he's just playing that bad?
0: I definitely think he's had, um, and I, I wouldn't say he's playing bad. I wouldn't I wouldn't use that word. I'd say he just hasn't had except for one he was it the Houston game. Think, yeah, it was the Houston game where he had the interception at the end and he just he looked like you know, a guy who should be you know back to flirting with all pro and all of that. um you know, i I don't know if you know the way if his average play, has been because of missing time and the hold in and all of that. I tend to doubt it just because he pulled some of the same stuff in his first year and he came in roaring (laughs) literally in that first game of the season where he had a sack to begin his NFL career. So, you know, I don't think that, you know, Roquan is, you know, I I think that eventually you'll start to see him have some of the, the bigger games and it's possible too, that he's still getting used to this new defense. And I think that's sort of the, quote-unquote excuse that the coaches have given when they've talked about Roquan. Of course, they're happy with him, but hey, we're all still learning a new defense.
1: Grody, we know that there's probably some nuggets that you can't always share on the radio. Maybe you don't always have the time for it. Some things you're hearing in the locker room or some things you think are going unnoticed, maybe that isn't being talked about enough. Can you maybe drop us a nugget or two here for the Chicago Bears?
0: Um, You know, I'm I'm really interested to see what's going to happen with the, the Bears' return game because, um, you know, it, it, it sucks that they're in this position right now that they might have to l- let Valus Jones um, take a seat as far as punts and kicks. And that's just – this is probably not necessarily too, you know, backstage on something like that because Matt Eberflus sort of said it out loud but I'm expecting that there will be a new return, man, at least for a couple games. And maybe as the season goes on, you sneak him back out there for a kick return or a punt return. But just hearing the words and inferring and, and knowing what has gone on, it sounds like that there, there could be a change in regards to that. Um, we talked about the, the Lucas Patrick thing. I think that he will eventually be the center, um, I do think that um, Nikhil Harry, I think there's a pretty good chance to play in the Monday Nighter. I mean, it's just the feeling I got from him being around him in the locker room where he wouldn't give us an exact answer, but he made it very clear that it would be very meaningful for him to play against the Patriots, the team that drafted him in the first round and obviously did not want him after um, his rookie contract. So those are a few things to, to, to
2: off the top of my head. Do you see any moves? Speaking of wide receiver, like any sort of either midseason signings or possible trade? I mean, I'm I'm sure you saw the whole Robbie Anderson fiasco on the Carolina sidelines. And half of Bears yeah. Twitter was like, hey, let's bring that guy in. And the other half is like, that guy's a nutcase. Let's not bring him in. So do you it's it's probably hard to tell with a new GM like polls, but what is your thinking about like any possible midseason moves?
0: Well, you know, it goes back. You know, aside from you know the novelty of the Keel Harry being healthy, you know this this again goes to it is does Ryan Poles regret not having been more serious about the wide receiver position? Will he not? Now we're going to find out. Uh, Will there be some transaction made? Will will made? will there be something minor at the trade deadline in terms of getting wide receivers that we probably maybe have to look up, you know, some, you know, guys, you know, similar to Keel Harry, but different, maybe some third round or fourth round guys that were, you know, that didn't work out on other teams, dudes like that. So I, I think at this point, I, I mean, I, I w I'm not looking at him to hit. I know this goes broader than the question that you asked, but you know, in terms of, you know, making some sort of splash, at the trade deadline with anything. I don't see that happening this year.
1: Mark Grody, we cannot say thank you enough. We, we know that you talk sports all the time and you took some time to talk to us on the bear down Chicago podcast. Uh, I just, we, we're just so unbelievably thankful that you were willing to come back. I, I, I just I, I know that you're probably sick of doing this because you're but you're so damn good at it. Can you give us a little Harrison Ford before you leave? Like <laughs> I don't I don't care if it's you know like last time we, you know we we talked to you. Know, it has to be bears specific, but it could be like anything, man. But you're just yeah so damn good at it. I just I can't see any other way to, to send you off.
0: Uh, unlock me. You switch the sample so you can make Provascin.
2: <laughs> that man. There was a man
0: in my house
2: wow. Wait, don't you also do a Danny Parkins too? Oh, I got to hear that
0: Parkins, Minnesota today, they beat Miami It was the Bills over Kansas City But that's that really what we're talking about right now So that's what I'm going to talk uh, about right now yes. it was the Packers, so It's just kind of a rolling rhythm It's a little bit of this But here's the problem with the Parkins I don't really you know, and I I have not done that Danny Parkins impersonation for a long time because guess what? Everybody does a Danny Parkins now at the score. So <laughs> I just I like to well, once everybody jumps on it, I like to go a different direction, you know? So That's
1: that's
2: fair. That's well, yeah.
1: hey Mark, Mark, I know all of our listeners are are totally familiar with your work, but just in case we got a new listener. They, they, they don't know you. We do have a lot of international listeners. Maybe they oh. need a chance to, to follow you. So how would they get after you, your socials, and obviously listening to you on 670 The Score?
0: Well, thank you for asking. Yeah, I am the the Bears reporter for The Score, so I am on uh, 670 The Score, AM670. You can follow me on Twitter, uh, at Mark Grody Sports, Mark with a K, G-R-O-T-E, at, um, at Mark Grody Sports. Um, I'm on, uh, Instagram, Facebook, all that kind of stuff. So you could, you could find me and I'm on the radio at various times throughout the day. I don't really have a set schedule or else i give you guys that, but I appreciate you letting me give the plug. Thank you. Thank you very much. Absolutely.
2: For yep. sure. Have, have a great week, Mark. Thanks again. <laughs> and, uh, hopefully new England treats you well next week.
0: Uh, my pleasure guys. We'll
2: do it again soon. Thanks. All Mark. Right,
0: perfect.
3: Well, it was super cool to have Mark Grody on. I listen to the score a lot and so hear him a lot and I'm always impressed with the knowledge that he brings each and every time he's a professional he's a consummate pro really interested in the whole concept of not being able to find a returner because here we are again here we are again on our own going down that lonely road we've always known
1: yeah no we we understood it Jack we oh just, sorry we yeah just, you're just gonna you let, just let you it. yeah out. we're just, we're just <laughs> letting you just see we both wanted to see where was he gonna trail off and you know yeah. we weren't laughing about it I just I, I think I said this repeatedly last time he was with us he couldn't be a nicer guy more generous with his time um, and it's just it, I don't know man he's just he's so dang approachable uh, I just thought that was awesome and you know have him back for a second time was just was really
2: really cool Yeah, he really is. And I've been on the record by saying I'm a big ESPN 1000 guy, but I go out of my way to make sure when I know his hits coming up on any one of the shows, whether it's uh, Bernstein and Holmes, Parkinson's Spiegel, whatever, I want to hear his, I want to hear what he has to say and what he's hearing from the locker room. That's exactly how I felt about The late Jeff Dickerson on ESPN 1000, just when Mark Rody kind of explains things, he, he does it in a fun, but engaging way. And I feel like I learn a lot every time. And just echoing what you guys said, such a nice guy. And to give up basically his off weekend to talk to us for a few for a few minutes. That was really cool. So, folks, we we are thrilled with this. This just worked out, uh, as
1: it was said a little bit earlier, is a little bit of a mini bye week. We said, let's not just get one amazing guest. Let's get two amazing guests. And both of them brought to you by 670 The Score. Thank you, 670 The Score, for providing some phenomenal, phenomenal guests. Um, we are definitely going to get into our thoughts on the Commanders game, but we also thought this was a good time to kind of take a step back. And And I think, uh, Jack, you may have said it a little bit earlier, you know, that to hear some new voices, uh, because, you know, we we kind of, We want to make sure we're not getting into an echo chamber. We argue a lot. We disagree on things a lot, but it's always good to hear some new voices. And we thought this was kind of a perfect time in which to do so.
2: I'm excited about this next one, guys. Oh, I am too. I mean, you already know who it is. I mean, if you're listening to this, it's in the freaking description, but it's Cam Ellis from six, same to the score. He's one of the, most sarcastic. And I think just interesting writers on the bears beat. I think he's got a voice that nobody else has. And I think it's needed, especially with just all of the arguments. Like you said, people just going back and forth on bears Twitter after every single play, just all of the discourse. So having a, having a voice like cam Ellis is really, really important. And it's really, really fun, especially when we get into the nitty gritty and you know, the grind of the football season.
3: It's going to be a long and I think disappointing season, friends. So you're gonna to wanna to laugh. And I think this panel is we're big fans of unconventional humor and and quick witted takes. And that's that's Cam's sweet spot. In fact, we've talked about it before. He I think he mis- accidentally irks a lot of people because they're just not getting what Cam is doing and I'm here for that 100%. There's so much redundancy on Twitter right now. And so any chance that I have to check out what Cam is doing, his articles or his tweets every time refreshing. It's like it's just something completely different than the run of the mill tweets.
1: I'm going to just say this and and I hope I don't offend anyone, but I don't think people get cam sometimes and if you just listen to him you're just he's just he's just so damn funny and i i mean this sincerely and i also man i'm i'm double offending people on on two statements here i think grody and cam are two of my favorite guests we've ever had and we're having them back together in one night which is just freaking awesome
3: from 670 the score welcome back to the show cam ellis cam how are you doing
4: I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? I um uh, I was I cut my finger making dinner about an hour ago and oh, I was sh- like feeling very lightheaded. You know, when you cut yourself and you like kind of get it. And I was as I was sitting there, I was like, oh man, like I hope I don't faint. So otherwise, like I gotta like figure out how to tell this podcast that I faint cutting my finger <laughs> off. But I uh, but I made it, I survived, the chicken was okay, and I'm here, I'm ready to go. I You're always th- hurt. We appreciate it.
1: No. I always thought it was tough. Um, and I could handle just about anything. Then I, I had my thumb dislocated, and I looked down at it. And Cam is the same thing. I thought it was going to pass out. I was like, "I'm lightheaded. I don't need to sit down. I can't look at it. Like just awful, awful situation." I'm um, yeah, not
4: really usually squeamish, but for whatever reason, like whenever I like cut myself a cooking, I was like, oh, I have like ten seconds to like get everything in order because I know like I might black out. Who knows?" So was dinner um, worth it? Yeah, you know, it was, it was uh, actually, no, it wasn't. So like, I, <laughs> I don't know why I said, yeah, uh, it was fine, but it was definitely not worth it. So no, um, but, it, but all, all was good. I survived and I'm ready to talk some bears.
3: So Cam commanders bears, that mm-hmm. special place in your heart. I think you've covered both teams intimately. What were your thoughts about, well, Brendan said toilet bowl, was it kind of a toilet bowl of games for
4: you? How'd you feel? It, it, It was like, for me at least, it was the first really stupid game the Bears played this year. Like, there have been stupid moments in other games, I thought, but this, between the fact that the Bears should have won fairly easily and just how bad the football was, you know, the other losses, like, you, you know, Velas Jones drops a punt, yeah, but, but the Giants are good. Like, the Giants are really good. And, you know, the Vikings are better. The Packers are better. Like, there's there's some inevitability to it. Like, this – I thought this game was just the first, like, really stupid game in that the Bears should have won. And I thought there was a weirdly much more bitter taste in people's mouths than against the Vikings. Like, it was just I, – I thought this was the first really actually embarrassing loss, if that makes sense.
3: It does we just we just chatted with mark Grody your your mm-hmm. uh, you know friend and colleague on600 uh, the score and so we're trying to almost get like a, a sense of the season so far an assessment of the season so far if you had to point to something that was a pleasant surprise and kind of a surprise disappointment for you so far with the Bears, what might it be
4: um my pleasant surprise is, I would say, generally speaking, the secondary play. You know, I know that um, I know that Kyler Gordon has been. You know, th- there's been that conversation of it, but um, I thought he's been played better the last couple of weeks. Like he was, I thought he's starting to look like he belongs or it should not be a third stringer, which is not bad. Um, you know, Eddie Jackson, I, I get uh, Jaquan Brisker is kind of not really playing well, but is also like around the ball a lot. Like he's he's having such a weird year where. He, I don't think a lot of games you go, oh, he played really well all game, but he's just always around the ball, around the QB, which I guess sort of like negates that. I don't know. And then I think Kendall Vador is playing better than people are talking about. Um, So I would say surprise in that sense. Um, Disappointment is that like they just can't throw the ball. And I don't know why I should be disappointed about that because that's the same thing that it's always been. But like I just – I feel like such an idiot for letting my guard down. Right. Like I, I feel, I feel, I feel burnt by the bears. And I know maybe bears fans are probably used to it, but I'm not. And it hurts. It stings a little bit. I, I'm not thrilled about it.
2: So kind of along those lines, knowing the bears can't throw the ball, where do you, I guess, lay the most blame? Is it on the quarterback, Justin Fields, the offensive line, the skill position players, the wide receivers, tight ends, or, the offensive coordinator and you can't say all the above (laughs)
4: um i think it's the offensive line i i i i always have all all these convictions about it and then people that are much smarter and much better at watching football than i am say things that contradict it i get in my head i'm like oh no like maybe it is the wide receivers and their stems and like i i just i i but I just watched the bears and the offensive line is the thing that jumps off the page is just being really bad. Like that is, I think if you sat someone who didn't really watch football, but generally knew what they were doing um, and if you sat them down in front of the Bears and they were like what's wrong with this team I think they would say the offensive line like I think they would say like those guys aren't good at what they do so sometimes I think that is sort of the better way I call it, like the my mom test because my mom doesn't really watch football but she like will watch it and so she like points out things that are very obvious but I sort of like get caught up because I'm just trying to be all clever um, and so like I think if my mom watched the Bears she would say like that offensive line is not good. And so that's what I think is like been rough.
3: I love that. I I should check with my, I should check with Joyce, my mom,
4: every once in a while and say, hey mom, forest through the trees. What, what's your analysis? Break it down for me. People that, people that do not really know the sport sometimes always have the best insights because they just sort of think about it in a, in a different way that makes you like, and sometimes they'll ask questions and be like, yeah, like, I don't know why they don't do that. Like, and that is, and so for me, that's always sort of a helpful way to take a step back and sort of view it that way.
1: So Jack, yeah, who, who is the person that hasn't had a BM, right? Cause we're talking about Joyce, <laughs> right? Sorry, Cam, just so you know, that's, that's the Jack's mom growing up, she would always ask, did you have a BM
3: today? If your elbow uh, hurt, if you're, you'd walk in and say, mom, my elbow hurts. Uh-huh. And she would say, did you have a BM today, hey, hey, mom? It's my elbow. I don't even know. I don't know if you had a mom that was like that, but. Not, not quite me. as much, but you okay, like sure. moments, yeah. yeah. So if we zoom out even further and you think back to what some of your big picture outlooks were for this team, has that changed for you? Are, are you still on board with the long-term rebuild here? Are you getting more concerned with where it's going? You're willing to give Fluce more time? Where, where are you at when you think about your preseason Outlook in where we are now.
4: I, I think just for your own sanity, you sort of have to still be on the bus, right? Like if you're if you're off the bus by now, what are you doing? Watching sports, like you know, like uh, that, that that is just a recipe for being grumpy the whole time. Uh, I, I certainly uh, get the complaints you have. You know, I, I think I think there is a fair criticism to be made out there of what Luke Getzi has done this year I I don't think it's an indictment by any means but I but I do think there's that is a fair criticism I I think there is a fair criticism of uh, Matt Eberflus and some of the things he uh, wanted to do and isn't doing quite as well and you know this is supposed to be a super fundamentally sound team that sort of was but hasn't really been the last month. So um, I'm not surprised that they're under 500. Like I I think that's, I I don't think that they're, I don't think anything outside of maybe losing to DC was like shocking or in the realms of crazy. You know, I think the most surprising result has been the San Francisco win so far. Like I think that is maybe I guess now the DC loss, but even so, I think probably the win. Um, So no, I, I think that there are reasons to be concerned that people didn't, take into account coming into the season. Um, but I, I don't think there's, I, I hope there's not any like massive freak out to be had yet. Cause that is just, that's so exhausting. I don't want to, I don't want to get up for that before I absolutely have to.
2: I mean have you haven't you seen Twitter after every single bears game? There's a massive freak out anyway, man. <laughs> I,
4: I got hacked and so I've been off Twitter for like four wait what? Hours. yeah um I just like got an email. It happens like once a year where someone just breaks into my Twitter account and uh, um, they don't do anything. It's just like someone in Russia getting hacked like you've been logged in from Moscow and I'm like, no. That's not me. Uh, That's t- they
3: don't tweet out like anything like
4: NSFW or anything like no, that? No. They just, wow. they, I, I don't know. I think they're just probably deeply, deeply disappointed when they get in there. And they're like, oh, what the <laughs> <heck>? <laughs> <laughs> But it just it, it leaves me a nice like two or three day break where I'm not on Twitter. So it just happened to be perfectly timed this weekend. So I've just been off Twitter all weekend. It's been great. Oh, my God. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I, I feel weird asking this, but like,
2: what do you miss most about being on Twitter during football games? Or I guess, what are you happy you're not seeing at this point? Like, you know, a lot's happened today. I mean, the Packers lost. Bears fans are going nuts over that. Robbie Anderson got kicked out. Bears fans are going nuts over that. Like, you know, I just feel like you're missing out. Like, what are you, what are you missing?
4: Uh, uh, I'm missing my blood pressure rising actively. Uh, you know that sensation when you feel it, it's great. Um, oh, yeah. No, I um, actually like – being on Twitter during Bears games like in the moments like I I like I like watching Bears moments happen and then seeing the reaction um Mm -hmm. right in that moment it is for me it's the next morning that I just like really don't like at all for me it is it is the it it is everyone having figured everything out on Monday morning and they're going to explain it to you why and it's going to um it's it's not going to be very self-aware and that is that is that is the Monday the morning the Monday morning conversation is way more annoying to me and maybe just because like my brain is still fried from the night before but it is um that that is where I will be very like tomorrow I'll be pumped to just like go on a run or like hang out with my dog or something instead of being on Twitter that'll be the moment where I'm like this this is worth it.
2: It totally makes sense, and I'm I feel I felt that way more this year than I have in previous years. I think wow. it's because like my following has grown, and there's just more people to yell at you now. So I, I'm with you there, and it really sucks. But I, I guess one thing that's constantly being argued on Twitter, especially recently, is the play of Roquan Smith. And we asked Grody about this, but I I want to hear your answer. So. Roquan hasn't had like the best year, but do you think like people are unfairly criticizing him because of the contract hold in and he wants all this money or is he playing bad enough that warrants people basically being mad at him?
4: I think that um, first of all, nothing is going to war. Like people are just going to be mad at him if they want to be mad at him. You know, like true. I I don't think he's done anything that's warranted that, but to your points, I think it's because, he's just had his worst moments on uh, in, in plays that go viral, right? Like his his worst moments are getting lit up by Carson Wentz and that Jalen Rieger touchdown. And both of those like went viral in a way that, you know, his 10 unassisted tackles wouldn't, you know? Um, and so I think for me, at least, I think he has not, he's lost himself some money this so far, I think. I don't think he is going to go get, you know, half of what he was asking or whatever. I don't think he's going to reset the market at this point anymore. Um, So in that sense, I think he's lost himself a little bit of money just because yeah, he hasn't played super well. Um, But I think he hasn't played quite as poorly as the conversation is just because, it's, you know, it's just people quote tweeting those two videos. And so, like, that is – that's going to make it worse than it probably is just because every bad Roquan player is like, like, they were going to talk about it all game. And when it – it he doesn't – it's much harder for him to have a noticeable good game than it is for him to have a noticeable bad game. So, I, I still think they should have traded him. Like, I, I don't quite, you know, like – what is he doing for this team right now that you like, what was he doing for the team when he was playing better? Um, But I, I don't think it is as de- desperate as the sort of immediate reaction is right now. Do you, are you guys like panicking? Like, are you, are you on the plank about Roquan Smith?
2: I don't know if I'm panicking. It's just one of those, this was a huge ordeal in the, in August and He's definitely not your best defender right now. I think that's Eddie Jackson and the secondary, like you said, is playing much better. So you have all this noise coming from one player and he's, it just seems like he's taken a step back from what he was doing last year, the last two years. And like you said, it's not one of those things that really stands out in a great way. He's he plays one of the weaker positions. So it's just kind of one of those, like this happened with you and I don't know like you're clearly just not backing up the noise that you made
4: really I'd be interested to see how Bears fans how he ages with Bears fans like is he Mm -hmm. is like if if Allen Robinson played in in Chicago tomorrow no one would care like that like everyone is no one no one's talking about Allen Robinson anymore and that's probably you know it helps that he's not good really but I I wonder if I don't I don't get the sense that people are I think that there's this weird apathy where uh, it seems like Bears fans are sort of made their peace with Roquan Smith uh, already like I don't I don't see as much at least I don't see I should say as much of the like people hand-wringing I see way more people already debating Justin Fields contract stuff than i do roquan smith which is so funny to me because like one is way more pressing than the other but like, i it does feel like I, I don't see people having the like well let's is this, this is a lost season so let's see what roquan is i think like everyone seems on board with just letting what happens happens in a sort of a weirdly anti-bears fans way that makes sense
2: and I, i'll say my my last i guess quick question to you and all of you guys really Last year, I think there was a debate between who is better, Lance Briggs or Roquan Smith. Is that still the debate this year?
4: I I don't think there's any. I'm sure you could probably make a number play, but no, like I don't think anyone's going to be like, oh, like I don't think any Bears fan is going to be like, let me try and purposely put Roquan Smith over Lance Briggs. Like, I think I think they're all very happy to just let Lance Briggs be above Roquan Smith at this point.
1: I think the only thing that I would say to that is he is learning a new position, like, and that in and of itself, like there's going to be growing pains like there is with anybody learning a new offense, learning a new defense, he's learning a new defense and he's learning a new position where I think we've seen that he can be a playmaker, but Cam, I, I go back to your point, like you trade him away, trade him to a defense where where his skill set is, is set for that middle linebacker position, you know, but back to a, a three, four where he's he's good at cleaning guys up in that spot. He's undersized. For, for this position um and I I don't I don't know I, I think he can be really good I, I I wouldn't give up on him yet but I don't necessarily know that he'll be playing for the Chicago Bears in you know the next couple seasons here
3: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. one of the cool things about football is especially on the defensive side of the ball is it's not like basketball where you just get one elite player and it changes the entire You know landscape of the team and defense is so cool because everyone does their job and then the defense is better so you think about Briggs having Urlacher next to him or now you think about Roquan not really having much of a defensive line so far in front of him so you know I, I do I do think Briggs is a little bit better but I I would say probably playing a new position and not having much of a DL in front of him is affecting his play a little bit this year
4: yeah yeah they're, they also I, I like he they don't blitz at all which i'm sure probably changes how he plays and not even necessarily even if not how he plays how we perceive how he plays like it's just it is a very talented player in a totally different defense and i while i like you, like you guys the points you make i don't think anyone is saying like oh man he's washed but like it's just it's one of those things where it's like sort of the wrong place at the wrong time and i just wonder what the Bears are doing. The Bears are not investing in talent on the field this year. So I I wonder what the point is in having and holding on talent that is probably not going to be good when the Bears are. I don't know.
2: And that is a great segue into my next question. So well done, sir. I have an activity. Yeah, I know. You're part of the biz. You get it. All right. I have an activity for you. I want you to rank the biggest flaws of this team. And I'll go from... I'll go from least to worst. So, in with these categories: front office, coaching staff, and roster.
4: So, uh, ranking from the, the the smallest problem to the biggest problem. Yes. Okay. Um, smallest problem is front office. I I still am in online polls. I I don't think that. I understand that he maybe punted a little more than he wanted than he admitted publicly this year, and everyone is sort of calling that bluff. And that's life in the NFL. I get that, but I, I thought the draft he did last year, even if he didn't necessarily pick guys that were as day one talented as we thought, was still the way he maneuvered in that draft. I thought was impressive and useful. Um, so I'm not, I'm not worried about him yet. They're, he'll get his chance to swing the McCaskeys' money around how he wants. Like that, that's when I'll judge him a little more. Um, the medium one is coaching. I the the players really like playing for Matty Rifle's. like the one sort of reportery thing I can say is that talking to players in locker rooms after games, they talk about practice in a way that they didn't talk about it with Matt Nagy. Like they talk about, you know, the linemen talk about specific you know, play mentalities that they learn and, and and you know the defensive backs talk about specific teaching points that they that they hear and how they listen to that constantly like we weren't really hearing that from that naggy people even though they liked practice it was not like this eye-opening experience that it has seemed to be so i, I do sort of trust that like I I, I I do think that he is a good teacher of football um i don't you know, you look around at who else is they could have hired that's like a really good offensive wizard, and you're like, Matty Riffleus. Like, is that really what we're doing? I, 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 that's it's all debate, but I, I do think that he is a good coach, and I think that they will get better with him as a coach. I think the worst is clearly the roster. I think the roster is just terrible, right? Like, it is not even debatable. There's, there's three good players on the bears right now. I think there is less than a half dozen players who are going to be on the next bears playoff team on this roster right now. Like I just, I, I every week it is a, there's a glaring hole at, at some point in the roster and also the passing offense. Like it's always just the passing offense and something unique to the week. So I, I think it's, I think it's clearly the roster. Um, I, I could maybe hear a pessimist's argument for coach over roster, but I I would lean pretty heavily towards roster, I think.
1: Cam, anything that we missed that we should be asking you, maybe things that Bears fans aren't talking about, any nuggets, things from the locker room that you're hearing? I mean, that last part was really brilliant to hear, you know, that they're talking about practice differently. Anything at all that that we, we've missed?
4: No, I don't think so. Um, I, I'm curious where your guys... It's not sanity, but like, where are you guys at, right? Like like, uh, with a little more of an emotional vestments than I do. I'm curious how you guys are stringing it along, so to speak.
3: I think it's a great question. You kind of made it a theme early in the show. I had decided uh, two games ago to try to watch as a casual observer okay. with like, okay, like trying to watch uh, a toddler learn how to walk. Up, oh, they fell. Yeah. Well, they're going to get back up again. Because to your earlier point, we get to choose what we want to do with our Sundays and it's starting to get to a point where if you have an elevated sense of anticipation, like you said earlier, it just, it starts to hurt after a while, after 38 years of, of trying to be patient, it it starts to hurt. So that helped me two games ago, but I will say that even taking that attitude after the commander's game, I was still so bummed because it was so bad. It was so bad. At least the second half, the previous week, gave us a little shimmer of hope. But yeah, I just trying to trying to stay patient. I think is is very difficult
4: right now. Did the start of the did the season start make you like reevaluate your expectations? Was there a little bit of like oh like panic? Yes. Threat? That's
1: yes. It, yes. Yeah. As soon as they beat San Francisco, you're like, oh man, maybe they're not going to be as bad as we all thought that they were. We all made predictions. That it was going to be a bad football team. And then it, it made us reassess. And I think that's the thing that probably was really frustrating was they, they gave us hope, right? As soon as they give you hope, you're like, ah, and, and then they took it away from us real fast.
4: I was going to say, like, I wonder if that is, I wonder if if the worst part of the season outside of the Packers loss again in December or whatever is going to be already behind the Bears fans because they're already two games under 500. Like, I imagine they're going to drop to three or four games under 500 pretty soon here. And I wonder if that sort of cleaves off any sort of, even inadvertent hope where, oh, you know, they just, they go on the road and they beat a a backup Patriots. And then they, they, you know, who knows that the Cowboys are like, if they go back to Dakers, they're often still going to be like, like that that sort of weird rationalization that the Bears fans, any team that's that's in the hunt is sort of used to doing. I wonder if it's going to get easier to watch when they're just five games under 500 and it doesn't matter. And at that point you really are watching for who blocks well and who throws well and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I think that's a
2: really good point because especially this year, because this is a rookie head coach and staff, whereas we had a similar thing last year and in previous years with lame duck coaches. You're not watching at that point because, you know, like, let's say last year, Justin Fields was hurt. Matt Nagy, we knew he was going to be fired. What was there to watch for? At least this year, assuming everybody stays healthy, like this is still a team that can grow. I've said it many, many times on this pod. I've written about it. It feels to me like Lovey Smith's first season in 2004, where they were very talent efficient, but there were building blocks and there were things that you can kind of like pick and choose from as this staff kind of gets sort of you know legs under them. As Jack made the toddler reference, but I think that's probably going to be the case for me. Like everything kind of went as planned a little bit until the Commanders game. That's the game that really kind of broke me in a sense because not broke me like all time, but just a really bad loss because they should have scored 28 points. It was right there for the taking. They moved the ball against them all night long. The commander's offense couldn't do jack shit. And then all, all of a sudden, a special teams fumble gets them in the game and they can't score more than one touchdown. Like that's the game that should we should have seen a lot of progress coming off the Vikings game and we didn't. So that's pretty much where I'm at. Everything was sort of okay until I saw that.
4: It was weird to, you know. Usually when we go over Bears games and they score seven points, it's like, oh yeah, and so and so threw for seventy four yards. The Bears had four hundred yards of offense. Like they, it's like I've never, I don't, I can't remember a game where you have four hundred yards of offense and you score seven points. Like that is, the, the I, it's wild to think that the bear. If you told me the Bears did four hundred yards, I'd be like, oh my god, like they scored fourteen points. But like no, they scored seven points. Um, so it was. It, it 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 was just a wild experience and i i feel bad because it's always sort of seemingly against the bears when it's a wild experience but um yeah man it was uh, I, I i feel like there's been way more anger after the commander's game than the vikings game
1: all right. So gentlemen, uh, yet again, we are thrilled to have Cam Ellis on because one of, the things, one of the things, my favorite things about having Cam on is he's willing to throw in the ring into our regular stuff. So we're bringing Cam into the outhouse and the penthouse. So boys, it is time for the outhouse and the penthouse. The outhouse and the penthouse is brought to you by our guy, Jeff Cadwalader. Are you thinking about buying or selling a home in the Chicagoland area? There's really only one person you should be talking to. That's Jeff Cadwalder with App Properties. Jeff knows you need experience when it matters most. He's going to get you the best deal possible. If you're thinking about it, just thinking about it, shoot him a text or a phone call at 630-254-4734 or visit genevajeff.com to learn more. If you do talk to Jeff Cadwalder, let him know that the guys at the Bear Down Chicago podcast say Hello. All right, so boys, the Bears lost. We're going to go outhouse first. So for this round of the outhouse, let's go Brendan, Cam, Jack, and I will finish it up. Outhouse, boys.
2: I really want to go with like five right in a row, but I won't. Uh, my biggest gripe and person who should be in that the outhouse is Darnell Mooney darnell mooney you want to be a number one wide receiver and yet you can't catch a ball in a goddamn light this is two times now in less than a year that you've had trouble with the soldier field lights i've um, i'm of course talking about the fourth down play where he bobbled it bobbled it at the goal line caught it on the carom and missed it by a half inch to end the game you know what darnell mooney I played a game when I was in high school, me and my buddy used to throw a football up at a street light and see if we could track it and try to, you know, catch it without seeing it. Honestly, it was one of the dumbest things we ever did, but it was fun and we got better at catching footballs because we were able to track it, get rid of your jugs machine, go outside, throw a football at a street light and try to catch it with a friend or something, because you want to be a number one wide receiver, you gotta catch balls in prime time. I swear to God, like this is stupid. I think you should keep the
3: jugs machine and then bring like in a spotlight yeah. in the living room and shine sure. it directly in his eyes while the jugs machine just fires balls at his well, face. I hear
4: Brendan Chaguru thinks he's a better wide receiver than Darnell Mooney. Is he <laughs> like
2: Not at all, but I played <laughs> a game that helped with it.
4: We <laughs> call it a—he'll call it a draw. will take All right, Cam, who's in your outhouse? Um, my outhouse has been the same for two years now, and it's Cole Comet. Cole Comet is in my outhouse. Cole Comet has been in my outhouse for two and a half years. Cole Comet's going to stay in my outhouse. I'm sorry. I know he seems like a really nice guy, and he's always very honest and forthright with the media and talks to people and gives them human answers and is also from Illinois and grew up in Lake Forest, and that is all great, and it should have been a good story, but it's not. Cole Komet is not good at anything that people said he was good at. Um, I know that he is like 0.008 EPA added and blocking, which is good, I guess. Congrats. Um, But Cole Komet, man, like you're in the outhouse. I'm sorry. It's it's not happening here.
3: I'm going to put a play, a specific play in the outhouse, because otherwise we might not talk about it. In the second quarter of Thursday night's game, Luke gets called a phenomenal play. Play action pass, Ryan Griffin came wide open in the end zone, and Justin Fields missed him. I'm gonna tell you, I'm just gonna say this, probably the strongest opinion I've ever had on any one play on the show, and I don't understand why there's any debate. I'm gonna try to stay calm. There is no doubt in my mind that Griffin came wide open and that a ball with a little more air under it, even if he had to adjust because he had plenty of times, plenty of time and plenty of protection if he had adjusted the throw just a little bit as opposed to throwing it to a specific point when a guy comes that wide open you don't throw it to a specific point you put plenty of air under it and you let the guy run underneath it again i i don't agree with trent dilfer i get it he's an nfl quarterback i do agree with tom waddle who said as i'm saying without question that ball needed to be completed a hundred out of a hundred times. So that specific play is in my outhouse.
1: Velas Jones. Dude, why why one? Why are you fielding a punt in that position of the field? Just let it go, man. number two, you tripped over your own two feet. Like the Bears were gonna win this game. I mean, I think everybody knew that they were gonna win this game. Carson Wentz, did, dude. dude. Come on, he's not going to win this game. And Bayless Jones uh, doesn't give us that opportunity. Uh, you guys know how I felt about him when he was drafted. You know, he could still turn into a good wide receiver, but as of right now, I don't ever want to see that dude returning kicks or punts. All right, boys, it is time to go to the penthouse. So what, what good stuff did we see from this game? Let's go to the exact same order. So let's go Brendan, Cam, Jack,
2: and I will finish it up. Penthouse, boys. My penthouse is somebody who has been in the outhouse a lot, and he is Kyler Gordon. Kyler Gordon is finally, finally starting to look like a pretty good cornerback. I know it took a little bit, but I'd say he had his best game of his young career on Thursday night. Gordon finished third on the team in tackles. He had six total tackles. Five of them were solo. He also had a really nice pass breakup where he dove to to stop a pass coming from Carson Wentz. He's a surefire tackler, and he's just getting more and more comfortable. This is the progression you'd want to see from a lot of players, but, you know, Gordon took his lumps, and I think he's really starting to turn into something, so really happy to see that.
4: Mine goes to, um, I, this is going to be maybe a predictable, I guess, trendy answer, but Kerry Blassengame. I think he is he is the best run blocking player on a really good run blocking team like they the, when he is in the game it make uh, he he is so good at what he does that it is it shows up on tv like as a fullback he like so many times i'm like oh yeah carry Blossom games in this game which is not something that i think fullbacks uh, haven't the necessity the benefit of the doubt so like i wish they would use him more they haven't really used him as much in the last two games but when he was when he was getting you know two dozen snaps a game he was like He was, he was the best run blocker on that team. So shout out to you, come back, bring it back. Let's, let's, let's pound the rock. Let's do it.
3: That's a great selection. I like that. So I'm going to stick with my theme and go with a play. I think a penthouse play for me was, something that is crucial to the Bears' development, something that we have not seen in a long, long time with the Chicago Bears. On one of the very early drives, the Bears were mounting a really nice offensive drive. They, they got it down to the 21, and you guys probably remember it was fourth and one. Okay, so what are we going to do in fourth and one? We've seen so much misery and confusion. What do we do? We don't huddle. We go to the line of scrimmage. We get under center. We direct snap to Justin Fields, And he plows forward for a first down. And there was no question about it. There was no time for the defense to switch out personnel. There was no confusion about it. You've got a real big like Josh Allen type quarterback who can get that first down yardage. I I was just super pleased with that. Looking for nuggets of Bears improvement as we go forward. That to me was a nice nugget of improvement. Of course, we couldn't bring it to fruition because that doesn't happen. But that play was a nice play. I want to talk about the running backs,
1: but I think we've already talked about the run game a lot. And so both the running backs, I think were, we're pretty good. I'm going to say this one. This may be a little controversial Dante Pettis. I think specifically him bouncing back into having just some really bad games. The one in the end zone at the very end of the game, that was clear pass interference. I don't understand why the refs didn't call that. I mean, the the, the defender's arm is draped all over him. It's pulling his arm down before the ball is even there. Uh, he still should have caught it. I say that, but I just was impressed with the way that he bounced back, catching that touchdown. uh, That was really, really impressive. It was not an easy ball. And I just, I, you know, I was going to take Kyler Gordon because I've been so critical of him. I've also been critical of Dante Pettis, and I want to give credit where credit is due. Folks, we just, we can't say it enough. Cam Ellis, I I mean this, Cam. I said this before you came on, is that legitimately you are one of my favorite guests that we've ever had on. And this is our third time having you on. So it means a lot that you're willing to spend your Sunday night with us. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being uh, part of the Bear Down Chicago podcast.
4: No, thank you, guys. I I promise you guys, it means more to me than it does to you. Like I, I, it is. I love coming on. I love talking bears. It is. It's always a great time. You guys are all great. So uh, I'm happy to come on anytime, and uh, I appreciate chatting bears with y'all. Awesome. Thanks, Cam.
3: Yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks, Cam.
4: One night,
1: two phenomenal freaking guests. Uh, they got a lot of stuff to say. I I have so much that I want to say off of what they said, but we're already got kind of a long episode. I want to make sure boys that anything that we missed that you do want to talk about, let's go Brennan Jack and I'll finish it
2: up. My one thing that I wrote about in bears wire that I just don't think is getting enough attention. And maybe I'm wrong about this, but this was the, the sequence, the, the bears had on their second to last drive where it was fourth and 11 after throwing a pass that was very short of the sticks on third and 11, where it was dropped by Dante Pettis, the bears elect to go for it on fourth and 11 when they're at midfield with over two minutes left, a delay of game by Sam Mustafer makes a fourth and 16. And yet they still go for it. I thought that was one of Matt Eberflus's worst decisions of the year. Nobody's talking about it because it actually worked out for the bears where the Uh, commanders almost called them the other word um missed their kick and so the bears got the ball back with favorable field position but that was lucky so i just thought that was really just a very poor job by Matt reflux one of his worst coaching decisions of his young career that's well said i'm going
3: to briefly say that we probably missed a window to trade robert quinn and i think it's slowly but surely slipping away uh, you know, I think Jack Sanborn had as many tackles as he did on Thursday night. Yeah, I, I don't think there's really anything
1: that I that we've missed thus far. It, and it's, it feels kind of weird to be this far away from the game. It was Thursday night where we're recording on Sunday night. Um, I just I you know what? I walked away Soldier Field and I wasn't as mad as, a, as I have been with other losses. I just I understand the frustration. The thing I was most mad about was the fact that our guys from around the world didn't get to see a dub gentlemen for shout outs this week it is time to get out of here so let's give shout outs for shout outs this week let's go brendan jack and i will finish it up boys you already know i've got a ridiculous amount of shout outs but uh some people at the game i have to give a shout out to so let's go brendan jack and i will finish it up
2: so a big shout out to a lot of my family Uh, i missed last week because my brother got married And he is an aspiring Bears fan, which I feel so bad for him, but he's really getting into football now. So uh, shout out to my brother, Ian, and his new wife and my new sister, Logan. And then shout out to my extended family, who I was able to watch the Bears game with in Ohio. Uh, My uncle, Michael, uh, my cousins. Um, it's just uncle Danny, you know, I, all my uncles and aunts, uh, is great watching the game with you. And then special shout out to, uh, my uncle, Johnny, my dad, and then, uh, our guy, Jimmy Mack got us tickets for Thursday night's game. Really appreciative, was able to meet up with them. And I'm going to take one of Ryan's shout outs and specifically shout out, uh, aunt, from the Irish Bears show at bears cork, uh, him and I, I wasn't able to meet up with Ryan and the gang, but I was able to see Ant uh, on Monday night, we met up for pizza. He got his first little Malnati's experience and just meeting him and talking about not only football, but life was so awesome. Such a nice guy. I love how much he loves Chicago. So shout out to you, Ant. thank you for meeting me out. It was a great time. And I'm glad you got your lose pizza.
3: We have shouted him out before, but every time he tweets or messages me, I'm still a little caught off guard. Adam Rank is just a super cool dude. I mean, I was tweet something, and this guy from the NFL Network will will reply on it, and he's so down to earth. He, I don't know. He just It's very cool to have somebody at the national level be that accessible and be that fantastic of a Bears fan. I mean, he is a diehard Bears fan, even though he lives in Cali.
1: So, like I said, I've got a lot ants from the uh, Irish Bears show. Uh, yes, he got his first slice, but I guess he got his last slice with me. Uh, and so Stop part- seconds <laughs> uh, we uh, the second I saw him, we hugged it, it just it was even though we'd never met in person. I said this with all the guys that we we talked. It was like old friends that you hadn't seen in a while, Uh, you know, and, you know, you're always kind of like, is that person as tall as I think they are? Is that person as short as I think they are? Uh, But, but just a phenomenal weekend, Dave uh, from the UK and his son, Daniel, they are fan freaking tastic dudes. They are, uh, as we're recording, they're in Seattle right now watching. uh, They just got to see Seattle win. So that was awesome. I was bummed that that they saw the bears loss. Um, Couldn't be better guys. Just wonderful, wonderful, wonderful guys uh noel from the irish bear show just just a phenomenal freaking dude it was so cool to meet him he has a haunted hotel room uh, he stayed at the congress he's got a great story about that at some point boys you got to hear it it's
2: really oh really, he really didn't cool. oh no
1: it is it's 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 crazy story you're gonna have to hear it at some point cory Formerly of the Bear Down Report and now of the Irish Bear Show. We we had some cool stories to swap back and forth because we've worked at two different places uh and you know, talking bears and stuff. So it's great to see her. Kieran, uh, the leader of the Irish Bear Show, wonderful, wonderful guy. Also, boys, uh, my gripe with Soldier Field increased because Kieran is also not a narrow shouldered man. I'm not saying I'm the strongest dude on the planet, but I do not have narrow shoulders. And we sat next to each other and we were both ridiculously uncomfortable. Uh, so just gonna put that out there. Kieran, keep hitting those weights, buddy. Adam Cumby from the Irish Bear Show. Phenomenal dude. First time meeting him. Great, great, great dude. Tony Daly. Same thing. Coming all the way from Scotland. Him and his wife. Phenomenal, phenomenal people. I got them all. Uh, So folks, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Bear Down Chicago podcast. We are so thankful that you are sharing your Bears journey with all of us. We just ask that you. Go ahead, hit like, hit subscribe, share it with a Bears friend as much as you possibly can. We would appreciate all of that. For Logan Bradley, for Patrick Sheldon, Jack Wright, Brenda Chagru, I am Ryan Dangle, folks. Thank you so much. And as always, bear down,
0: Chicago.